Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. All right, family, let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person here. We never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. I also pray that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today that they can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this word and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Before we crack open the word of God, let's say our Bible confession. If you would say this with me, let's go. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God breathed and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable, it is the truth, it is divine, it is the word of God, and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Family, taste and see. And once again, I want to thank Pastor Mike Austin for teaching last week. Asking you the question, who do you say that you are? Thank you, sir. Well done. When I dipped my toe, I guess you could say, in this series, I began by mentioning that when you look at those words, taste and see, those words require an individual to be open to experience what God has prepared or what God has made available to them. From there, we jumped into Ecclesiastes chapter 3 because I felt like you needed some primer, an introductory thought, if you will. Ecclesiastes 3 says this, easy to read version, verses 12 through 13. I learned that the best thing for people to do is to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. God wants everyone to eat, drink, and enjoy their work. These are gifts from God. We took that and we said, life is a gift from God. And each and every one of us should be eager to unwrap that gift every day. Unfortunately, there are some people who just wait to that one day a year on a birthday to unwrap that gift. They wait one day for one day a year to enjoy themselves. That's a social construct, but we flipped that script. We flipped that script and we said that we are going to commit to not just only have our birthday be special, but make every one of our unbirthdays special. Doggone it, you only get one birthday a year, but you get at least 364 unbirthdays. Why not make the unbirthdays just as special as your birthday? Unwrap the gift of life on your unbirthday. 
Doggone it, get out on your unbirthday and buy yourself something nice. Doggone it, get out on your unbirthday and have an enjoyable time with family and friends. Make some memories that you want to talk about from years to come. On your unbirthday, fill the world up with your smile. Get your laughter out there in the airways. Doggone it, it's your unbirthday. You don't have to work, wait for just your birthday. You got 364 at least times to enjoy everything that God has given you. Do so. Doggone it. And, and enjoy what you do to make a living on your unbirthday. Now, keep in mind, what you do right now, you may not really enjoy, but you can make plans to make it enjoyable. Many people have said this, and it holds true, that if you, in fact, enjoy what you do, you will find that you never work a day in your life. So if you don't have something that you're doing that brings out joy, you need to start making plans today to get something that you enjoy out of life because life is a gift from God and you need to unwrap it every day. Every day. As Psalm 118 says, notice. Psalm 118, verse 24, easy to read. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be happy when? Today. Not a month from now when your birthday is coming, but today. Not two months from now when your anniversary comes around, but today. Not around Christmas time, but today. Not during Fourth of July, but today. Not at the family reunion that's coming up next year, but today. You don't have to wait any more time to enjoy the life that God has given you. It only starts with the decision to enjoy life today. Rejoice every day. Rejoice today. Rejoice right now. Rejoice. Family, this discussion about embracing and celebrating life is a necessary primer to furthering our taste and see discussions. Because, doggone it, how can one taste and see the good in life while at the same time refusing to be an active participant in it? How you going to taste and see the good in life when you don't never do anything other than what you've already done, always done? How can you taste the good in life when every time you go to the restaurant, they got 30 things on the menu and you keep getting chicken tenders and french fries? How you going to enjoy what God has given you in life and every time you go on a cruise, you never take an excursion? How you going to enjoy that? Every time you come home, the first thing you do is put on your pajamas and decide you ain't going nowhere. How you going to enjoy life like that? It is a necessary primer to let you know that if you're going to unwrap the gift of life that God has given you, you have to be an active participant in life. It's a must. It's not a request. It's not an idea. It's a must. That primer being laid, though. When we laid the primer, 
we gave you a charge. And that charge was, when y'all leave here today, on that day when we did the primer, when y'all leave, leave here today, get your tail out there and start celebrating some unbirthdays. And you know what you did? You did that. And I asked that you send in some photos, and you sent in the photos. Doggone, let's look at some of them. <laughs> Getting out there celebrating some unbirthdays. Just keep them rolling. Unbirthday, everybody, look, everybody's smiling on the, on the unbirthday. Oh, unbirthday time. Look at that, enjoying a meal with loved ones. Unbirthday, you better go on in. You better go sharing time with your, with, your, with, your, with your child. See, you can eat like that when you ain't driving. Oh, Daryl's in the house. Enjoy yourself. Look at that. Look at those smiles. Don't have to be on your birthday. Ooh, look at that family. Beautiful. Is that, is that mama? Time with mama. Look at there. People bowling. Oh, we got in there. Hey. Great breakfast with, with Marcus and Daryl. So your unbirthday, I want to thank you for doing your unbirthday task, but keep them coming. We don't want those photos to stop there. It is a necessary primer for you to know that you have every day of the year to celebrate and unwrap the gift that God has given you. You don't have to wait for one day out of the year. That primer being laid, though, a core verse for this series, the Taste and See series, a core verse of scripture is found in the book of Psalm, chapter 34. Here we go. King James Version Psalm 34, verse 8, David says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusted in him. I'm going to ask, are you guys too cold? Temperature, okay, good. All right. If whoever, if somebody's cold, you guys make the adjustments. You know where the control is, so somebody take care of that. I thank you guys for letting me know. It says, taste and see that God is good. Look at this. When you see that phrase, taste and see, loved ones, I want you to know that the phrase taste and see is not just mere words. The phrase taste and see is an invitation to an experience. And comprehending the message in the invitation it takes one to explore or go through the exploration of the two main words that make up the phrase. Those words are taste and the other word is see. If you were to do some research and dive into the origin of those two words, you would find that their meaning contain the following definitions or ideas or senses, I guess you could say, in their root. Notice, when we're talking about taste, to taste, in its root, you will find words to sample, to feel, 
and to touch. Obviously, when they're talking about taste, they're saying that you're going to do these things, these acts are going to happen by mouth. But the gist of it is this. Taste is more than just the taste. Tasting is a sampling and a feeling and a touching. Tasting is an engaging activity. What about the word see? In that word, we have to perceive mentally, to understand, to experience. Taking just those origin items alone, we can begin to get a surface level comprehension of where we want us all to get to when we hear the words or the phrase taste and see. Here's the surface level. The surface level comprehension of taste and see is this. When it comes to taste and see, one gains an understanding of something by interacting with it. In the case of Psalm 34, that something is an entity. And that entity is God. If we, though, want to go and fully get a firm grasp of what we mean when we say taste and see, of where we want us to get to, when you say taste and see, and I say taste and see, we have to go to a deeper explore, into a deeper exploration of that first word, taste. Check this out now. Not yet. Thank you. Family, according to the National Library of Medicine, most people, when they think of taste, their understanding of taste is far too basic. Far too basic. Because according to that documentation, taste is not a single element. Notice this image now. National Library of Medicine. Family, taste is not a single element. Even though we say we can't taste, we can taste whatever we say with taste. It's not a single element. In fact, what taste is, is a bundle of sensations blended together. Interesting. When we say taste as a common man or a common woman, what we are really trying to communicate is a different word, and that word is flavor. Say flavor. flavor. Mm. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Flavor. And this is, this is science. This is not me making it up. Flavor is a combination of two things. This is how you get flavor. Next one. In order to get flavor, in order to perceive flavor, you need taste and smell. 
We all know this to be true. We just have never really taken the time to think about it. Think about just taste by itself. When you think about taste, I want you to do something. I want you to try it when you go home. I know you're going to try it because I'm going to mention you're going to try it. You're going to try it. And I want you to try it. Why? Because I tried it. If you take your tongue and put your tongue in some kind of potable liquid or, or edible substance, it could be honey, syrup, gravy, uh, banana pudding, sweet tea, uh, fruit punch, doesn't matter. If you take your tongue and just stick in there like this, uh, but don't engage it with the motions of rolling it around over the sensory parts of your tongue. You can take a piece of chocolate and just stick it, uh, uh, and just leave you like that, with your tongue sticking out. But you never engage the sensory items of your tongue. What we would say is that we don't taste it, but that's incorrect. What we really should be saying is we cannot perceive the flavor. Because perceiving the flavor requires taste. What about smell? Have you ever had bad stuffy nose or really bad sinus? When you're in that condition and you go to eat your favorite meal, what, what often do you say? You say, I can't taste it. But that comment or that wording is incorrect. What you're really saying is that you cannot perceive the flavor. You can go through the act of taste tasting, but because you can't connect it with smell, because those senses are required for you to perceive flavor, you say you can't taste it, but what you really mean is you cannot perceive the flavor because flavor requires taste and smell. There are many times when Greta and I, we, we, we share the cooking responsibilities and we love, we love to cook actually. And there are times where maybe I'm making something with a sauce or she's making something and she wants to know, is it sweet enough? Do I need to add more nutmeg? Do I need to add some more cinnamon? What about, do I need to put in some more chicken broth? And I'm like, hey, is it spicy enough? Is it too spicy? Or, or, or whatever we're trying to get the flavor, flavor of. But sometimes she'll come and she'll say, I'm a little stuffy. So you don't want me to taste it because what she says, she says, my taste is off. Or I might say, my taste is off. But what we're saying is incorrect. What we are really trying to communicate is that we wouldn't be able to properly ascertain the flavor because flavor requires both taste and smell. And right now our smell is jacked up. When in the summer of 2020, I came down, contracted the COVID virus. And for almost a period of two months, it arrested or stopped my sense of smell. 
couldn't smell anything. It could be the most expensive perfume or it could be dog poop. I could stick it right up under my nose, couldn't smell anything. As a result, though, I couldn't taste anything. It's what I said. You could put before me a bowl of chili or a plate of lasagna, taste the same. A plate of spaghetti, hey, a plate of hay, taste the same. A turkey patty or peppermint patty, didn't matter. <laughs> didn't matter. It didn't matter why. I was, I was walking around saying I couldn't taste anything, but the reality is I could not perceive the flavor because my smell was gone. We call it taste, but what we're really thinking about is flavor. And loved ones, taste and smell, although they are the main contributors, are not the only contributors to flavor. Flavor has another contributor, an indirect contributor, I will call, call it. And that contributor is your emotions. Notice. Now, your emotions can have a positive or negative bias on flavor. And that bias comes through entry into the other senses of who you are. For instance, let's take sight. Have you ever had somebody try to get you to eat something that looked nasty? I don't care if they bought it or they made it. I don't care if they're a stranger or your best friend. But if they put something before you, uh, before you and it looked nasty, before or even if you elect to taste it, you have already through your emotions determined that you probably are not going to like it. You are already negatively biasing the flavor based on what? Sight. Put sight to the side for a second. What about hearing? Let's say what, you, what, what, they, what they present to you, it, it don't really look bad. But if you grew up like me, because I get this from my people, and Greta and I are similar people, if somebody present you with something, what you say? What's in it? You're waiting to hear what's in it. If they begin to rattle off things you know you don't like or that you usually don't eat, that triggers an emotional bias to negatively affect the flavor. You are already telling yourself that you are not going to like it before or even if you put it in your mouth. And keep in mind, it can also work in the positive. If someone presents you with something that looks good, you are more apt to not have that bias going in because you have a positive appearance of it. If somebody starts 
rolling off things that you know you like that's included in the ingredients, your bias can be to the positive. You start to build up an expectation that, ooh, this, this probably going to taste good. What about smell? Listen. If you go in somebody's house and they done invited you to dinner, but the smell is jacked up, something, it could be coming from the kitchen, it could be coming, you don't know where it's coming from, but doggone it, the nose is telling you, hey, something going on up in here. If you get the nostril indication that something is sketchy, it negatively biases yourself to the flavor of what you are getting ready to eat, if you eat it. I, I grew up, you guys are in no, I grew up in the country, and I can't tell you how many stories I've heard of people telling me, like, listen, I don't eat chitlins. But I've heard people tell me that they never tried a chitlin because they walked into somebody's house who was cooking chitlins, and when the smell of chitlins hit their nose, however they were doing it, they made a determination. I, 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 I can't do it. Can't do it. It works on the opposite, though. Remember, the influence can be positive or negative. If you walk into somebody's house and they didn't invited you to dinner, and when you open that door, the aroma that hits your nose just make your mouth start watering in a good way. What do you, if you like me, from the front door, you yell out, somebody throwing down up in here. <laughs> you, might, you might even get to the point to where you walk in there and look over their shoulder. What you, what you cook? You want them to crack the pot tops and pull back the foil a little bit. Let me go ahead and see what's smelling so doggone good up in here. Got your emotions ready to say, oh, this is going to be a good meal. It's not just taste and smell as the primary contributors to your flavor. Your emotions play a big part in it as well. They're an indirect contributor. <laughs> now, we know that we have sight, we have hearing, we have smell. And when you think about touch, sometimes people are like, well, what do you mean touch? I'm not necessarily touching my food. I, I'm, I'm civilized, you know, unless I'm eating a hot dog or something. I use a fork. I use a spoon. You know, I use a skewer, Pastor. I've, 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 I've graduated beyond using my fingers. I'm no longer two and three. What do you mean by touch? Well, don't, don't, don't ever forget that in order to eat something and rolling around in your mouth, you are touching it. And let me tell you something. When we're talking about the positive and negative effect on your emotions of touch, there are some food items whose texture, when you put them in your mouth, just don't agree with you. 
I'm talking about to the point to where you tell yourself, I can't. I can't. And as a grown person, you do your best to try to force it down. And your body tell you, careful. <laughs> if you continue with this foolish activity, and if you swallow this, rest assured, all gears will reverse. <laughs> and we are going to spew this foolishness out of our mouth. Oh, yeah. Your touch influences the flavor. Look, check this out. Next image. There are some things that for some people, you just can't do it. I can't do it. As a matter of fact, you will look at somebody eating some of these things, and it <laughs> because depending on who you are the texture of it once it starts rolling around in your mouth it's like a kid that don't like to eat his vegetables and they gonna keep it in their jaw and not gonna swap you can't do it every gear in your body says you, you can't you we I can't what are some examples of things people say they just can't do it? Caviar, raw, raw, raw oysters, snails, oatmeal. Greta say oatmeal is slimy. She say she can't do it. Cream of wheat, stewed okra. Now, I love to eat some okra, but every time I see somebody that don't like okra, they say the same thing. It's just slimy. It's just slimy. like them. And what they really say is, and like it, eats not. That's what they say. That's what they say. And you know what I say? Give me some more snot, then. Beef liver. The texture. Or even chicken livers. Mmm, liver. Right? Liverwurst. Hog head cheese. Stuff you slice from the deli should not have gelatin in it. I am paying for some kind of meat substance that when I hold it up, I can see through it. That's a problem for me. Canned prunes. And oh my God, fruit cake. Just too much going on. Too much going on. Just can't do it. Loved ones, your emotions have a positive and negative effect on flavor. What are we, what are we saying there? Emotional responses really do influence flavor, even if indirectly. If we bundle all of this up into a category that says perceiving flavor, here's what we get. Loved ones, flavor has two direct influences. The influence of taste and the influence of smell. Flavor also has an indirect influence, your emotions. 
And those indirect emotions come through the senses of sight, hearing, smell, which is, a, which is a, 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 a direct influence as well. We talked about that. And touch. We talked about all four of those in emotions. But notice, we didn't talk about taste under the emotional category, but it, it's there. Let me give you a quick example about something that I've heard that gives me personal evidence that it's there. And it has to do with the discussion that I heard uh, is years ago, my wife and her baby sister having around Thanksgiving. Now get this, we're talking about sense of taste. Her sister, by the way, calls her Gret, leaves, it, leaves the A off, just Gret, hey Gret. That's how you say it. Hey, Grit. But that's her sister. She can call her Grit, right? She's talking, and they're talking about the food. And then there is a mention about the dressing. And my wife says, well, I don't know. I don't just eat anybody's dressing. Her sister says, just like this, uh-uh, Greg. You want to try this? Here we go. It tastes like grandma dressing. <coughs> Greta says, it tastes like grandma dressing. <laughs> now listen, no, listen. You see where I'm going? It's like grandma dressing? You see, somewhere in her memory, the taste of grandma dressing or grandma, her grandmother's dressing, we call it grandma, grandma dressing sparked such a positive emotional response that now her anticipation of tasting dressing that tastes like grandma dressing is now through the roof. As a matter of fact, it might not actually taste exactly like grandma dressing, but because her sensory mechanisms are now firing off and trying to identify the flavor of grandma's dressing, when she eat the dressing, it's gonna taste better than it would have ordinary, ordinarily tasted. What am I saying? Family, flavor has two direct influences, but perceiving flavor results from a bundling of all your five senses. All of them. That discussion having been had, we started off with a surface level comprehension of what we want to fire off in your mind when you hear the words taste and see. But let's go to a deeper understanding. Notice this. On the surface, one gains an understanding of something by interacting with it. But if we go deeper, Fully perceiving the flavor of something requires getting all of who you are involved in interacting with it. Family, when we talk about tasting and seeing that God is good, if you have a real desire to fully taste and see the goodness of God, then that desire requires you to fully perceive his flavor. If you are to 
fully taste and see that God is good, here's the shift. If you are to fully perceive God's flavor, you must get all of who you are involved with interacting with him. If you just say you want to taste and see that God is good, but you don't get all of who you are involved, engaged with God, you will never fully get the sense and the understanding of tasting and seeing that God is good. Why? Because you will never fully perceive his flavor. You got to engage all of you with God if you really want to taste and see that he is good. Family, you cannot ask Jesus into your heart, but block God out of your character and expect to fully taste and see that God is good. You cannot ask Jesus into your heart and then block God out of your habits and expect to fully taste and see that God is good. You can't ask Jesus into your heart and block God out of your vices and expect to fully taste and see that God is good. You can't ask Jesus into your heart and block God out of your marriage and expect to fully taste and see that God is good. You can't ask Jesus into your heart and block God out of your parenting and expect to fully taste and see that God is good. You can't ask Jesus into your heart and then block God out of your thought life and expect to truly taste and see that God is good. You can't ask Jesus into your heart and then block God out of your health decisions and expect to truly taste and see that God is good. You can't ask Jesus into your heart and then block God out of your finances and expect to fully and truly taste and see that God is good. You can't ask Jesus into your heart and then block God out of your fears and expect to truly and fully taste and see that God is good, you can't have Jesus come in your heart, but block God out of your business and expect to fully taste and see that God is good, you can't ask Jesus into your heart, but block God out of your insecurities and expect to fully taste and see that God is good? If you want to fully taste and see that God is good, you must fully perceive his flavor and you cannot fully perceive his flavor without offering him all of you. And offering God all of you comes with an exchange. When you offer God all of you, in exchange, God makes you better than you ever imagined you could be. It happens because a large part of God's goodness is bringing the best out of you. As Paul put it in Romans 12 in the Message Bible, family, here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. 
Instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. If you want to fully understand God and his flavor and to be able to truly say, I can taste and see that God is good, you have to put your everyday ordinary life in his hands. Everything you do, sleeping, what do you do for, for, for just recreation and rest? Eating, how do you treat your body? What do you do for enjoyment? Going to work, what do you do to make a living? Walking around life, everything else you can possibly do while you awake. Put it before God as an offering. And if you do that, what you are saying is, God, I give you unlimited access to me. I give you full permission to get in and do your work. And by that permission, what you are telling God is, God, get in there and do what only you can do. Shape me, mold me, change me, affect me, rebuild me, reconstruct me. And don't just do it on the surface, God. Go deeper, so deep that when people look at me, they won't recognize who I used to be. God will change you from the inside out. When you put all that you are in his hands, you will fully be able to taste and see that he's good because he will begin to bring the best out of you. Amen. It's not just about what happens on the outside in the life you live. When you say God is good, it's about a changing on the inside. And when he changes you from the inside out, what is he doing? He's maturing you. Yeah. He's bringing the best out of you. But in order for God to bring the best out of you, in order for you to say like David, I have tasted and seen that God is good. You have to put all of who you are in his hands because the only way you can perceive his flavor is by engaging him with all of you. David, the very same man that wrote Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He also said this in another psalm. Notice. Psalm 18, verse 20 in the Message Bible. Just the first sentence. Verse 20. David says, God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. God makes your life complete when you put all that you are before him. Not just, God, I let you in this part, but you got to stay out of that part. No, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. If you do that, you will begin to perceive his flavor. And you will be able to say, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
family, that, that taste and see, there's so much more we got to talk about right there. But for right now, here's what I want you to lock in on. When it comes to tasting and seeing that God is good, it extends an invitation to experience all of God's goodness. And that accepting of the invitation requires one to actively engage God. Of course, I imagine someone could engage God, God in part. But why would you elect to engage God in part when you can engage him in whole? If you are going to engage God in whole, all it takes is you and I placing all the pieces of our lives before him. And in return, he will begin to he will begin to change us from the inside out. And then we will begin to perceive, understand, experience and know truly how good God is. There's a lot more we need to discuss here on this topic of taste and see, but I'm on pause right there for now. I do have a little unction, though. To give you a little glimpse of where we're headed next, and I'll give you a hint because we're going to pick up from the same spot. I'll give you a little hint in this following statement. Follow me now, because I'm just going to say it one time. You're going to hear it again next week. It is good to feel good about how good God is. But it is better to understand that God is good regardless of how we feel about how good God is. Just put a pin right there. For now, what do we take home? We've already locked in that you need to enjoy your everyday because you cannot enjoy the good in life without being an active participant in it. Now we layer in this, that if you really want to engage all the goodness that God has for you, God has to be an integral part of your everyday ordinary life. And there can be no part of your life that you block God out of. Because if you begin to block God out of parts, then you lose part of his flavor. If you lose part of his flavor, you never really get to know how truly good God is. Flavor, perception, requires all of you. And we will pick up from there next time. Loved ones, let's pray. God, I thank you that each and every one of us have a desire to have you Show yourself good in our lives. Lord, we thank you that we are going to be a people that puts our entire life before you as an offering. In return, 
you are going to bring the best out of us. Just like perceiving natural flavor is done best when it is engaged by all of us, when that activity is engaged by all of us. The same is true with God and his goodness. Our perception of God's flavor and our experience of how good God is, is best when we engage God with all we are. And I thank you right now that starting today, if there be some that who have not engaged God with all that they are starting today, they will. It's in Jesus name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now. But we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.